Welcome to another episode of Threads of Enlightenment. As usual, this is one of my favorite parts of this uh, show, is to welcome our guests, because I know they're coming with a couple of things that, for my life, I deemed very expensive. I learned the value of it, and so I know that Carrie's time is valuable, and I want to thank her for coming and spending some of it with us here at Threads of Enlightenment. The other is her journey. That journey housed who she was, and she's here to share with us so that we can experience what that, and through that journey, have made her who she is today. And so we're excited about our conversation, for we are about to learn and to grow as individuals here on this planet. Carrie, thank you for coming to President Life. Oh, thank you so much for the invitation, Ken. I appreciate it. It is an honor. I want you to talk to the folks and tell them those things that you serve others with, um, all of your books, and tell them everything that you have. Absolutely. So my role in the collective is to be a messenger. And so I am uh, connected with Mother Earth and higher guidance. And my role is to listen to that, to um, help heal things that are painful, and to transform things into a higher vibratory pattern and understanding. And so my role is to take the information that I'm, that's being channeled through me and communicate it in such a way that is easy for people to understand. And, um, in the lineage that I am a part of from the Andes Mountains, that is called the Kurekakuyak. And so that's what I'm here to be. It's like they say the, the mama bird eats the worms and then digests it and then gives it to, all the babies in a way that everyone can understand it. And that's not to be condescending, but that's what they say of the Kurakakuyak. That's what they do. They translate information and make it bite size. And so that's what I do. I do it in books. Um, I do it through personal experience. Um, oftentimes my life experience is used as the vehicle for explaining these concepts that everyone can take on in their own lives. Um, things like forgiveness, very challenging concept to understand. Um, so I share it through my own lived experience of forgiveness with anyone who wants to hear that. So yeah, books and training classes and podcasting. And I do a lot of these interviews. And so usually they have me using my throat chakra a lot. <laughs> so that's pretty much my main function as well as doing it from a still place inside. So it's really important for me to be stillness inside as I'm listening, as I'm saying, using my voice to communicate what needs communicating from, you know, these um, bigger than us forces. So that's what I'm here for. Yeah. Uh, awesome. So invite us to your family. I always like to start with our family because I tell folks that um, most of the trauma that we experience the beginnings of it, if you will. Well, you start there. And trauma comes in many different forms. It uh, doesn't have to be this big, momentous thing. It could be simply a mom busy and the kid is trying to get the mom attention and the mom said, um, I'm too busy. And she, the mom is actually busy, maybe doing something and just doesn't have the time at that time. But that child interprets that as a form of rejection from uh -huh. that space will begin to 
make certain judgment and certain perspective now that will guide that child for many years. But introduce us to your family. What was it like while you resided there for the time that you did? Well, what I will say is that um, anyone who's working, whose calling is human psychology in any way, shape, or form, you've got to go through your own initiation process to understand the shadows of human consciousness, yeah? And so a lot of these beginning life experiences are to set us up to have a deep understanding of the human psychology and the shadows of that. And so mine was that I had, um, my mother was um, a gal from Midwest Texas from a tiny little town uh, in the oil fields and with a mom that was Pentecostal Christian and was very devout and, you know, five times a week at school, at a church and things like that. And then she moved to Dallas, Texas, with a big city, and met my natural father, who was uh, quite a 60s party guy, like, you know, let's uh, swap partners, let's, you know, like, let's swing, let's, you know, all this kind of stuff. So my mom uh, didn't think she could get pregnant, and then she found out she was pregnant with me. Whoops. And she quickly realized I was not the right relationship (laughs) for um, having a baby. And he was a very wounded person, you know, from his own traumas. So um, she moved in with somebody else, and that person ended up being a violent drunk and used to beat her if I was uh, bothering him. So there was a trauma bond formed between my mom and I um, from a very early age that if I was being a child, she might get beat up and might even get, you know, killed. So uh, that was very traumatic. And she left that relationship, but it took her about five years, four years to get out of that relationship. And then my third father was beautiful man, beautiful, enlightened man, very wonderful father figure. So a lot of healing happened in that relationship, but that doesn't take away the early, you know, that early programming zero to seven, your brain is being wired. And so, and a lot of things my mom and I had to heal because of that, which is why my, my, my book, um, uh, the time ago, not this recent one, but the one before is Love is Fierce, healing the mother wound because of the shadow projections in my mind and in our relationship and the anger and all of these things that were based in that early time needed clearing. And now the relationship is healed. And I like to tell people, don't give up on your relationships. There's You can heal those by healing the shadow projections and healing the early wounds and rewiring things. I have a beautiful relationship with my mother now. So I, I like to encourage people for forgiveness. Forgiveness is personal growth. Uh, you have to learn to forgive yourself and forgive others in order to um, get past it. And I've had to deal with that myself. And um, because of some trauma that happened to me as a young man, uh, that uh, it is very important to come to that space because and I tell people, this is not a place of weakness. It's a place of strength. Uh, because people feel as if they're weak when they're there. But no, 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 no. It's one of the most powerful spaces that one can visit as a human being for themselves and for that relationship that they would like to heal. So here you are as a young girl. You are experiencing uh, different types of trauma and that come, came into your life. As you are moving through your life as an individual, uh, those trauma that you saw, uh, life-threatening situation that you saw your mom and yourself in, 
what was happening to you? Right? What was this little girl thinking about as she's seeing all this pain and trauma being uh, leveled at her mom and from this relationship? Well, I was uh, quite the little warrior um, child. You know, I was defending my mom. I was scared. You know, I was tiny, but I was still trying, you know, to protect my mom. And, you know, and I think that I always loved my mother and I just, uh, I needed to have some better boundaries for myself. And, you know, this is what I ended up experiencing when I was in a teenager was that I was very wild in my reactions to things, very emotional. I didn't have, um, a really solid beginning to life. So I had, um, some insecure attachment issues and things like that. And so I had to really, um, do a lot of deep dive. And so I was in psychotherapy starting from 15 years old and, you know, starting to get those diagnoses. But that whole trek that took 20 years of my life, weekly psychotherapy was really an exploration of my shadow consciousness and also an exploration of how to see things differently, how to have a different perspective on things, how to heal my own perspectives to change things and to open up new potentials. And that eventually led to me um, in my spiritual path. So all of it serves. It's just that it, it wasn't my, my destination. It was, um, it was a piece of my puzzle and it served well for while I was doing this. But what I learned the most from psychotherapy after looking back over it over 20 years is the impact of the stories we tell in our lives is so huge. Whatever story we tell about our lives and about the events of our lives creates a momentum, creates like a web, like a spider weaving a web, and we become the fly trapped in that web. And so the question is, if you're, you know, if you have a life that you don't like, what story did you weave that created that for yourself? And how could you untangle yourself from that to weave a new web? And that's really the exploration I've been in is how can I weave webs that are delightful, that are beautiful, that are prosperous, that are f- respectful and freedom loving and, you know, and, and give myself and others that gift. That's, that's mostly what I learned, um, after leaving psychotherapy because psychotherapy kind of lets you stay in the, stay in the story a little too long, you know, yeah. and we need to rewrite those stories. Yeah, it's um, the change of perspective. Uh, and I want to go through some of the tools that you brought into your life to help you to change the story. Because that's uh, real to real that we play. As you said, that spider web gets more and more intricate. And we kind of find ourselves that we cannot move. Um, and all it is is our thoughts. And it's a matter of rewiring one's thought patterns. And uh, as you begin to do those things, it will assist you in moving and stripping away those um, webs, if you will. So what tools did you bring into your life, uh, Carrie, as you are in therapy? And I know they talk about some of the tools there, but um, what did you, which one of those tools, as they were saying, mentioning them, you pick personally into your space? And then start to help you rewire your your mind, if you will, and create a new story. You know, it's really funny because from almost the first psychotherapist I had as a young woman uh, when I entered the workforce, 
she she told me you might want to go get some meditation and she told me about this school where you could go and this meditation class and do a grounding meditations and I went and it was fantastic and I didn't keep with it but then lo and behold 20 years later <laughs> when I actually went on my spiritual path that's one of the primary tools is grounding meditation and I think wow if I'd only listened to that sooner but that's the way it goes right sometimes but grounding grounding is important because especially if you're an emotional processor um this is one one other aspect I'll introduce is that we all have a unique human design and that is so important to know. But when you're an emotional processor, you need a deep grounding cord because it's kind of like there's a lot of emotion wanting to pass through you and it's like an electricity in a house. You don't have a grounding wire in a house and the electricity is coming in, the house is going to explode. So the same thing, if you don't have a grounding wire and you've got a lot of emotion moving through you, you're going to explode. And that's what happened to me over and over and over again until I finally realized that grounding meditation thing. Now, there is something useful there. You know, we need to do that grounding thing. So that's one of the tools, Ken. Yeah, I've never heard in my entire life, especially in this uh, personal growth and personal development um, journey that we all get on, that the first time we were introduced to something, that it is, we grab onto it and hold onto it forever. All of us always grab onto it for a little while, but we're still hooked up. We still are learning. And, um, it, and I, tell, I try to stress this point. You will never, ever, ever, ever lose anything this life. All of it, at the end, all of it does matter and it does, um, fit. You may not see it at this time, but trust me, all of it does fit. And um, it is a great way by which it is weaved together. After um, many years, you'll look back and go, wow, and you started incorporating this. So now here you are, you're doing all of these things. Uh, where did you steer to when you were going to the college age now? Did you go to college or did you went another path? Um, this young girl that's to all of these different types of trauma and um, her way of acting to people with very emotional and so forth. What path did you take? You know, that's, it's a strange path I took because <laughs> I, well, I went to college. I, I did really well in college. I went to um, Smith College, which is like an Ivy League school. And it was a really good school. And I was very grateful to go there. It was a very feminist college. And it taught me to be strong, you know, taught me to believe in myself as a woman, taught me to, you know, get out there and you can do anything. And and then I ended up getting a job in Silicon Valley as a high tech um, technical writer, communicator. So I did this for about 20 years, um, first as an employee and then as a consultant. But the interesting thing about that choice is that here I am a very emotional, tender person, and I'm surrounded by a whole bunch of logical, non-emotional people. <laughs> <laughs> that was an interesting challenge, you know, because the corporate environment and, you know, yeah. with a bunch of not emotional people doesn't really want anybody emotional. And so I, it was I had a lot of times at work where I was wanting to cry. And my boss was like, Carrie, here's what I do. I just look up. I look up because if you look up, you can't be crying. And I'm like, oh, because people were so mean, they would just say horrible <laughs> things. 
Um, and it hurt my feelings, you know, so, uh, I got my early lesson and don't take anything personally, which is one of the four agreements, which ended up being a manual for my life, you know, that I, I wish I had gotten in third grade because, uh, if I hadn't been taking it personally, I would have realized that this man who is, um, you know, coming here to work on technology from, um, India is not, not respecting women in general because it's not part of his culture to respect women. And he's coming here and he's being disrespectful towards me, right? And and I'm, my feelings are getting hurt because I'm not used to being treated that way. And But I, it wasn't really about me. It was really his perspective. It wasn't anything to do with me. It was him facing his own edge. And But I took it on, you know, as if it was. And I felt disrespected. And so these are, it was a good training ground for me to start to realize that there were people from around the world that thought about things very, very differently than I did and maybe thought that women shouldn't be, you know, in roles of power and were confronted by coming to the United States where women are emerging into their power. So it was a very interesting training ground for me for 20 years. Wow, that's a great space to learn that lesson, a tough lesson to carry because um, you know, not to take things personal is the key, I think, to many of our pain. In my life, um, this is one of the lessons I'm embarking, I've embarked on in the last couple of months, is especially that, dealing with that aspect. Um, and I started investigating the times that I got hurt. And I realized every single time that I got hurt was because I, I was taking things personally. And so now learning to um, give others the space to uh, make decisions based whatever perception they have, um, not to let it come into my space to dislodge me from mine. And it's a powerful lesson to learn because in there is lots of peace. So here you are, you're going, you're going through college, you're now working in, with, with um, the Silicon Valley folks and they are not as emotional as you. And you're getting to experience these beautiful conversation with a different culture because I, I am very familiar with that culture and how they feel towards women. Um, so as this began to work on you in this space, when you were looking up, what was some of those thoughts that was going through your mind, um, as you were dealing with these, uh, type, uh, emotional, uh, emotional less people than you are. How did you manage that, Gary? Yeah, so I I actually went to a lot of psychotherapy and I was taking a lot of those not feeling pills and I was also um having a baby. So as soon as I had a baby, this was um when I was thirty. So I was in high tech from twenty two years old. Um in Silicon Valley for probably until 33 when we moved to Texas. And that whole time um, I was grappling with, you know, that this idea that how I was, was not acceptable to my environment. And I had to try to change myself in order to fit in and that I needed to do it for my job, you know, to keep my job. So I had to change me in order to be acceptable over here. Meanwhile, at 30, having a baby and, and having this motherhood initiation and, 
and all of my early childhood coming up for me to witness and that the old feelings and the scaring and all of these things, because that's what happens when a woman is initiated into motherhood. All of these old things come to the surface because we're purging things so that we can have a better space for our child. And, you know, this is one thing that Western culture misses is initiation for all people, women, all genders. But for, for women, it's important we should be initiated when we have our period first and we should be initiated when we have, we have motherhood. And so I went through a very dark depression for a while as the baby was, uh, my first baby was born and it was very challenging and he was very colicky. And so the two of us were very much unhappy with life for a while. And I did a lot of art. And so I had space for doing more artwork. I always loved to express myself through artwork and painting and, and being outdoors in nature and, and drawing um, nature and the environment. And so I spent a lot more time outside creating artwork and, and expressing myself and opening my heart and connecting with nature. And, you know, and that was, became a form of meditation that helped me to be more calm and centered in myself and take care of this little baby that was dependent on me for me to be um, steady. And also I had a nanny come and help while I was doing my high tech stuff. So I, I gave myself support. I gave myself the resources and the support I needed to be present for this little baby. Also to give myself some meditation and some time with nature. And, and I got through it. <laughs> and then, you know, about three years of that, we moved to Texas and I stopped doing high tech work um, about a couple years after that. And found this other path, you know, into being a spiritual mentor, which I never, ever thought I would ever be. I had no idea that was in the cards for me, none whatsoever. Um, never saw myself that way and didn't have any clue about it. Felt like, gosh, I'm the least trained person for this. And then here it was right in front of me. You're going to be a healer. You're going to be a mentor. I mean, did you pick the right person? Are you sure you know who you're talking to? <laughs> but that's what my spirit had in store for me. <laughs> yeah, none of us know. I, I think some some of us maybe uh, we have glimpses, but very few of us know to the degree until and I tell people just get your until so that it'll move you through. Is finding your passion and become passionate about it. I would tell people. So here is this young woman. I mean, she is going through a tremendous amount of. Um, I want to say learning because you're learning from different ways and uh, if you guys were listening uh carrie had mentioned that painting and being in nature and different things is a, it was her form of meditation at that time and i tell people meditation takes many many different forms you have the classical medica meditation but meditation comes find it i don't care how you find it for you Find it for you. It could be anything and use it. Meditation simply means that you are allowing your thoughts to slow down. You are now becoming a designer. You're becoming um, picky, if you will, about the thoughts that you're allowing into your life and into your being because they bear fruit, guys. They will bear fruit. That's what the thoughts does. And so. How you use it is all up. So here you are, your uh, mom, and um, there's nothing like having a child in your life to start make you uh, start focusing. 
So here you are, you move, kid is, you, you have a, a child coming in, and uh, you move, and you're this high-tech woman in this profession for so many years. What happened, Terry? What happened? How in the world did you make that swing from the high-tech? To where you are now. Well, I, you know, I loved the art so much that I didn't want to do any more high tech. And my husband at the time was really dismayed by that because he liked the money I was bringing in. And we, you know, we decided it was too much stress to live in Silicon Valley. It's very stressful to live there because you have to earn so much money in order to have a home and pay for everything and school and everything is costing a lot of money. And the whole culture there is based on working really hard and making a lot of money. And, and that's the whole focus. And I said, I just, I am so angry right now at life. I just, I don't want to live this way. I can't stand it. And my husband had been asking me for years, can we just leave this place? Because it's really stressful and it's making you stressed out. And we're in a family part of our life now. We don't need to be here. And so I said, okay, finally. And so we moved to Texas where my parents were living and my dad had been a technology guy. He was working at Dell and all of this, and he retired. So they were retired. They were they had a nice place and were very retired and were there and, and wanting to be grandparents. And, and so we moved really close to them. And that put me back at my mother wound because this was unhealed at the time, you know, because my mom and I had not healed our relationship. And so I was right in the throes of all of my darkest things that I needed to face within myself being a mother, being depressed, being on not feeling pills, being discouraged about life, not wanting to do the same career, being back with my mom and my and my dad, who was wonderful. I always had a great relationship with my dad, but my mom, you know, ugh, and provoking me and everything. And and then and then she was able to see the quality of my marriage, of course, which she had a lot of opinions about because I wasn't standing up for myself. I wasn't being that strong Smith woman. I was being the woman was getting my nails done for hours on end and trying to look pretty and kind of being a Barbie. And I hated myself for it, but I couldn't stop myself. So all of this was going on and it just kind of hit a crescendo. And the crescendo happened. And I, my, basically, um, I, what happened was my, my, my Shakti got loose, you know, and I had, I started having my Kundalini awakening and in that moment, I decided the only thing that mattered was my pleasure and everything else could just take a back seat, which kind of destroyed my marriage because I was getting in a really powerful place within myself that previously was suppressed. And that shifted the power dynamics, you know, it shifted a lot of things and he was not able to um, go along with me there. And I personally was so angry. I felt like uh, I was calling in Kali Ma. I didn't even know who Kali Ma was in this lifetime, but I was like, Kali Ma, I need your help. And uh, she just came in and just whoosh, like everything got destroyed. So that was pretty much what I did. And then I set out on the journey, you know, and I had many spirit synchronistic signs and came along to me and said, you need to pull yourself out of this disrespect you're doing to yourself. And I started pulling myself out of my own disrespect and started claiming my power. And that was, you know, pretty soon I realized, I think I'm a spiritual mentor somewhere along the line here because I was so impressed with all the ones I kept meeting. I said, I think I want to be this. And then I started becoming it. So 
that's pretty much the short story about how that all happened. <laughs> yeah, I, I, those short stories are always packed with a lot of information. <laughs> so here you are. You uh, just gave to us the short, the short version of that. Um, talk to us as some of those um, challenges because that's what it is. It's those stories with those projects. And what were uh, some of those challenges, uh, Carrie, and, and how did you get out of those challenges? Because that's what it is. It's just different types of challenges that are presenting before us. And we have to learn how to navigate through it, to learn how to bring in uh, wisdom that is inside. Uh, a lot of times that it's just sitting there and it's inaccessible to us until the dark times because we don't need it. We're, like you said, you're making your money, you're living good, you're, you, you know, you, you don't need it. You're just partying. You're enjoying that aspect of your life. But then when it gets difficult, you have to go in. You got to go in and when it's quiet, when the dark and the light is off and you're laying there by yourself, you got to start excavating things that you see your mom. Because being in that space is going to surely tug at, at um, because that needs to be dealt with. Now, when you started feeling those things that need to be dealt with, Eric. Yeah, well, I, I I like to say that, you know, the more light that comes in, the more the shadows are revealed. Yeah, and so a lot of light started coming in because of my Kundalini awakening. And I was like, wait a second, there's pleasure available. And that pleasure started telling me, I'm no longer satisfied with how this life is going. <laughs> you know, like there's another option here. There's more, there's more potential. And I don't want to struggle and suffer and be, you know, heavy and burdened. And I don't like that. That sucks. <laughs> and I want something else, you know? <laughs> and, and so that really showed me how unsatisfied I actually really was in my life, but I was forcing myself to do a lot of things out of a sense of obligation or responsibility or my role or my commitments I had made or all of that, that was very heavy and burdensome. And it wasn't actually making me happy. And I started realizing I wasn't actually happy. And I was having nightmares at night because I'm such a loyal person. It was very hard for me to make the decision to leave. I will be loyal until it hurts so bad. I almost want to die. And that's what happened. It hurt so bad. I wanted to die. And I said, I just can't do this anymore. Like, this is not making me happy. And I need to leave. It's not good for the boys. My, I had two sons now. It wasn't good for my boys to see this kind of relationship. I wanted them to see the kind of relationship of mutual respect, of spiritual connection, of personal responsibility, of two adults that work together to create a home with you know, transparent conversation. There was a lot of things I had experienced growing up with my dad and my mom together in their partnership that I wanted to emulate for my children. And I wasn't able to do it from that relationship, although I had tried for decades to make that so. And so I was like, well, I'm going to have to leave, you know, because I want my boys to experience the kind of relationship that I experienced. I want them to have the benefit of that while they're young and they're in their sort of data bank as an option, you know? And so I, I, I made the difficult decision to leave, which is a sacrifice. And I think that a big part of any spiritual journey is a sacrifice. You've got to eventually sacrifice 
the thing you're holding on to materially and emotionally as your source of safety that is actually killing you. You've got to say, this is, this is very toxic for me and I need to leave this thing, even though I think I need it and I'm terrified to let it go. I have to let it go because there's another source of sustenance that's waiting for me that is far more nurturing, far more profound and deep and wise. And that's, that was my wake up call is like, I cannot ki- commit suicide and leave my children with no mother. And I got to take the journey to become the person that attracts the partnership that my kids, that I want my kids to have a witness of. I have to become that person. Um, and so that's the journey. I, I left everything behind. And it was hard because we had built me a, an art studio and I was going to be a painter, you know, and I had to let it go. I'm not going to do that. I need to leave. It was like the golden cage, you know, it's like, here's your art studio. The thing you always said you wanted. Here it is. No, I got to go. Uh, so it was hard. It was hard to leave. Yeah. It's always hard. I think it takes a degree of courage to embark on a personal journey. Um, I was at the same, same space as you. And I've said this uh, before telling my journey, some information about me, is that I was going through the same thing. And I remember driving, coming home from one area to another, and I remember thinking that I could make the marriage work, that I would have to die. And um, I remember uh, taking this information and and meditating uh, on it as to what does that look like to die? And um, I knew that my personality, how I and all of it, I would have to kill that in order to make this marriage work. And I tell the testimony all the time that I pulled, I was on the highway, Carrie, I pulled my car off on the highway on the bank and started yelling and screaming at the top of my voice that I'm not going to die. And that's how I had that particular incident gave me the courage that I needed to because at the time I had my four boys. So um, all of that stuff was dancing in my mind and um, would cause me, that responsibility causes us to stay in hell for a long time, and which I did. So here you are, you decided to part ways, and you're now going on your own journey because you're beginning to become awake, awakened to you. When you moved and you began this new life, what was happening to Carrie there? Was she in her mind, in her soul, in her in her being? Where was she when she moved away? I was in my desire. <laughs> so I left and immediately I got a place to, to live. Uh, secretly, I arranged all this stuff because I didn't know how he was going to react. Um, I think I was having a lot of fear from my childhood about, you know, dangerous men. He was never dangerous. He was, he never did anything. So that was, I was grateful. Um, but when I went into my new place, I immediately felt at peace. Like that's the first thing I felt was peace. It was like, wow, I'm not being provoked all the time. I'm not being told I'm wrong all the time. I'm just going to go ahead and be myself and see what that looks like for a while. 
And for a while, I had a bunch of men on text and they were telling me how wonderful I was and I was soaking it up and I was drinking a lot of wine and having nice bubble baths and, and just pampering myself for a while and having some time out and some quiet time and I didn't talk to anybody. And I really liked that because I hadn't really had enough quiet time for a long time. And so having that my own space without having somebody there constantly pecking at me, telling me I needed to do something or I wasn't, I don't know, there was just a real weird relationship there. So I had this freedom. I was like, wow, I'm free. And, and then I started being curious about what's next. And I started going to yoga because um, a friend of mine said, maybe you should, I like yoga. Would you like to try it? And I said, okay. And I started moving my body in yoga and it felt really good. And it felt normal. Like it, I remembered it somehow. And I thought, okay, I like this. And then this one of a yoga teacher said he was a spiritual mentor. And I said, all right, I don't know what that is, but let me try it. And he talked to me and he became my mentor. And then a little while after that, I started getting um, interested in shamanism. And I found some information somehow of this, uh, my first teacher in shamanism, I found him. And I started going to this class, um, the quest for authenticity, because I said, I want, I want that. I want authenticity. I want myself. I want to know what's really me. And I started that journey and I got the Four Agreements book. And I read that book 40 times front to back. Because every single time I start to try to do it, I would mess up again. So I <laughs> read it again because I was like, you didn't get it. You don't understand. So that was the beginning of my journey, you know, and it, and it led to amazing places. I mean, I studied with incredible teachers. I studied with a protege of Don Miguel Ruiz, um, Heather Ashmar, beautiful feminine empowerment teacher. I studied with the Four Winds. I learned energy medicine. I became an energy medicine practitioner. I didn't even know what that was. Uh, I had no idea that shamans existed. All this stuff I didn't know. And my journey opened up. And, and you said something at the beginning of the show, somewhere along the line, about how things just, when you get on the right path, things just start to open up. And it's like amazing. It's like this buffet of miracles. It's like the miracle today is this. Then the next day, oh, now I have this miracle. And then I get to learn about this. And it, it's amazing. Everything that opened up, I, I didn't ever know in this lifetime. Of course, I probably have a lot of other lifetimes I know about it. But I didn't know about it in this lifetime. So it was all brand new, which brings me back to beginner's mind. Because, you know, the reason why that part of the journey is so exciting is because you're learning it again for the first time. <laughs> and then... After you wake up and you learn it for the first time, now you've got to let it go again. <laughs> so the dying thing keeps happening, I found out. Well, it's a part of the journey. that um, I remember my, uh, my uh, mentor had told me at, about the death of the dream, the dying aspect of it. And uh, he, I remember he took me and he showed me a scripture where Jesus said, uh, that the seed dies in order to bring life. And um, he told me, it is a principle that cannot be, it, it is a part of the existence of all. <laughs> and uh, he said, that place right there, you have to learn how to be in tune with yourself. He said, it is the place where you pull away and everything around you seems like it's all gone. 
that is just as important and even more so than anything else. It is their time for you to become your giving birth at that space right there. And um, that's a dark place to be, a difficult place to be, but it has to happen. So here you are just getting everything. You're drinking up everything, Carrie. You know, everything that's coming your way, you're just smashing it. So where in all of this getting did you begin to circle back to your grounding meditation practice? Where did you, did you, or it's a part of you at this point, or you were you still just grabbing everything and assimilating into yourself? Yeah, so the, when I met Heather Ash, um, actually, I guess before that, we, we practiced shamanic meditation, which is really becoming aware of all your senses. And, you know, shamanism is really about the experience. It's about experiencing life. And so everything is an experience. So it's about staying awake to the experience, staying awake to your senses, staying awake to your environment, staying awake to your perceptions. And so it's a lot of awakeness. And it is um, an interesting way to walk through life. And I would say Hummingbird came to me um, as in a vision, in a, a shamanic drum journey vision, because it, my brain was very busy, as you mentioned, and a lot of people in the United States especially have busy brains. And my brain was very chattery and, and loud. And it, it was hard to hear the inner voice because there was a rock concert of like metote going on in my head. Metote means, you know, the many voices. And so I, you know, when I did shamanic drum journey, it would slow it down, you know, because it would recalibrate. It would put me in the trance. And in the trance, I could be still. And I remember I was um, doing a drum journey trying to get this house that I'm in right now. But there had been many offers on this house. And my real estate agent said, no, 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 you're not going to get that house. I said, no, that's my house. <laughs> so I took, a, I took a drum journey and I imagined, you know, being in this house and having guests over and, and being here with um, my grandparents who are deceased coming in the house and saying, we love this house. This is perfect for you. And just all of this I was imagining, um, you know, forcibly imagining. and. And then at the end of the vision, this hummingbird rose up through the kitchen window in my vision in rainbow light and just hung there. And time stopped. And I went, oh, I didn't make that happen. And then the phone rang. And the real estate agent said, it's amazing, but that deal just fell through. <laughs> Would you like to put an offer in on the house? I said, give them whatever they want. And I took on the name Carrie Hummingbird because I thought that is spirit. I never had a feeling or an experience like that before. Time stopping. And I, I'm still intrigued. Hummingbird is a master at stillness and motion. And so that's what I'm practicing in this life is being stillness in motion because we can't go to the mountain anymore you know that that whole like be on the mountain for like decades to get no no it's like do it in life like right here right now do it while washing the dishes do it while you know taking the dog for a walk do it while having a conversation here do it in process in motion 
And Bruce Lee says this is the big thing, right? Like when you can be stillness in motion, then you get it, right? So a lot of us are practicing being stillness in motion, in the motion of life. It's a great place when you have that awareness of it. And I love your story, and it shows one of the most powerful forces available to the human spirit, the imagination. Imagination, when you began to see it from that perspective, when you began to imagine it, if you will, you're, I believe you are pulling uh, within that next realm, that next uh, dimension, and you're pulling this energy in and creating what you want. And it is in our ability to do it. Um, and the imagination is one that is very important. You've heard people say um, to create a vision board. And the purpose of the vision board is to activate the, one's imagination so that you can begin to manifest the things that you want to happen in your life. And it is possible. It's been done. I've done it before. I mean, everyone has the same ability. It's just a lot of people carry don't believe that they have that ability. And if you don't believe it, it will never happen. But when you start practicing it, um, you will get it. And I tell people, start with little things. Little things. Don't, you know, start practicing your imagination with little things until you get to the place where you're confident enough to go after the big boys that you So here you are. You made this 300 and, I don't know, let's say 60 instead of 380. You made this big switch and you're now pursuing the things of the realm of the spirit and you're learning much. As you're learning all of these things, you're manifesting stuff into your space now. How in the world, Gary, did you end up writing books and stuff like that now and pursuing the path that you're on today? How did you um, end up there? Because here's this, this woman from, um, from the tech world is now doing drum circles and the folks in the tech world will look at you and say you have lost your mind they probably look at her and go what happened to our dear friend um, <laughs> to us as you are now in this space how did you navigate to your world of, uh, of today yeah so in terms of the books the first one came in right as I met my first shamanic teacher and I heard her voice and it said, you're going to write a book. You're going to document your journey. And it said, you're going to chart the course out of madness. <laughs> I thought, I'm going to chart the course out of madness. That sounds very interesting. I would like to do that. And, and so I started writing the book and I had no idea how long it was going to take to chart the course out of madness. And how I was going to love myself. But that was the intention of the first book was awakening to me one woman's journey to self-love. And so I said, I'm going to love myself. And so I documented my journey and, and readers have told me, oh my goodness, Carrie, this book is like a haunted house. Every single time you go back into a relationship that's ill-fated and you date some new guy who's not worthy of you. <laughs> You know, and it's like, don't do it, don't do it. And the reader is like, please don't go back there again. And then I go anyway. 
And so, you know, it's one of those books. You just go, oh, she's going to do the pattern again. There she goes. She's doing it again. So it's very transparent. <laughs> it's written in the moment. And it's it's very, um, it's a, it's a great book for anybody, especially who's been diagnosed, you know, one of these crazy labels. It's a helpful book, you know, to help you chart your own course out of madness. And and so that one was uh, released in 2014. And it immediately got an award. Um so that was great. I was like, wow, I wrote a first book and it got an award. And in college, I wanted to be a literary journalist. That's what I wanted to do. And this was liter- this was literary journalism. So I was finally doing, like using my writing skills to do something I wanted to do. So, um, and then after that, I wrote From We to Me, which is, uh, I had a lot of lessons I learned post-divorce and dating at 40. And I thought, I'm going to write a book about that, you know, and so it's a little bit more expository, you know, it's just kind of sharing some things I realized. And for anybody who's, you know, trying to recover after a divorce and painful family split. So that that came up. But then I didn't really, you know, I was just on my journey. I was studying with my teachers and I was studying with Heather Ashramara. I was apprenticing with her. I was studying with the Four Winds and Alberto Vialdo. Is really wonderful shamanic teachings from the Andes Mountains and the Carol people. And it's starting to really change my mindset about things and my life. And I was doing a lot of prayer practice, which they call despacho, just prayer offerings to Mother Earth and Spirit. And I was expanding my realization about a lot of things during that time. And and I was stepping into being a healer and I was putting my shingle up, you know, I'm a shamanic healer. If you'd like to come and have a shamanic healing and practicing with a lot of people. And then 2019, this uh, voice says, you're going to write a book. I was like, I haven't heard this voice in a while. I was like, okay. Oh, I said, what's the book? And it says the second wave. I said, what the heck is that? I can't write it if I don't know what it is. It says, you know what it is? Go go look at Dolores Cannon and go look at her work and look it up on YouTube. So I looked it up, saw the short video on the three waves of volunteers. And I said, okay, I understand. And it's really about um, Dolores Cannon is a beautiful, beautiful soul for anybody who doesn't know her. And she, she um, did a lifetime of service of helping people access their deep subconscious soul self and in um, soul retrieval of past life um, experiences. And she realized when people were, down in um, hypnosis like that deep that they could access her soul and she could ask a lot of questions. And a lot of these people's souls were saying, I'm part of the first wave or I'm part of the second wave. And she didn't know what that was either. So she started documenting it and asking more questions. And what she found out is that we have a lot of volunteers to the planet from other places, you know, at this time of the great awakening. And apparently I was part of that. So I said, okay, (laughs) I did not know that either. And this is what spirit does is that you keep finding out things that seem more and more preposterous about yourself. And yet it is true. If you follow it and you just lean into it, it's like, well, I didn't make that up. So it must be true. It's preposterous, but it must be true because there's no way I could have thought of that myself. So that's how I figure out that it's for real. And yeah, my my people follow me from Silicon Valley and they go, I'm pretty sure she's lost her mind. But look at her meteoric rise because I have my, I mean, all of my books are bestsellers. That second wave book's been on the chart now for 202 weeks internationally. I didn't pay for that. I don't have a publisher. So I think they just sit back and they go, this is preposterous. And I say, 
Yes, it <laughs> totally is. But I keep saying yes to it. And my life keeps improving. So it's a miracle. And I say yes to miracles. And, you know, and so then the Love is Fierce book with Healing the Mother Wound with my mom came out. I That was a very difficult book, a very hard book, a lot of deep inner work on that one. It took me three years of lots of plant medicine ceremonies and a whole lot of other stuff. And yeah, that was hard. And But it was worth it. Great relationship with my mom now. And then the last book is Inner Medicine, um, Becoming One with Mother Earth. And that's really the, you know, this last book, I mean... I would say Love is Fierce was a pivot into caring about another person enough to dedicate myself for three years to heal what needed to be healed so I could be in love with my mother. That was that was an act of devotion. But Love is Fierce and and this new book, Inner Medicine, is an act of devotion for Mother Earth now. So it's like the service is increasing, like you talked about. Because when you start opening up your life and you start realizing the force that's guiding everything, the love that's infused in everything and your heart, putting your heart in devotion to it. You want to be in the greatest service you can possibly be in. And for me at this time, I feel like that's encouraging people to love Mother Earth, to love this planet, to take care of the animals and the plants, to become one with all of life. And because we already are, in truth, one with all of life. It's just that we forgot. And so I think that's my greatest service is to get out here and do messages and have conversations to wake people up to that and and to remember that the earth is is always listening. She's our body. We're her she's us. We are her her body. She's listening. We're not alone. We have all the guidance we need if we listen inside. I absolutely agree with you. Um and uh Everyone that has been listening to this conversation, guys, um, I am latched in because you're getting to see the different aspect of healing, healing with mom, healing with herself, uh, healing with the planet, healing with people. There's so much stuff that we all need healing, and you have to make sure that you get on the path. I love the sudden, you know, uh, the craziness. <laughs> And that's just us. We're just just absolutely nuts, and um, we need to look at the book like that and help us to navigate through our craziness. Because I think we're all a little uh, challenged in many ways. But the crazier you are, in the sense that where you begin to trust your instinct, trust your journey, as they say, and become a servant. That's what this journey is all about. And personal growth and development and all these things that we go through is to become a servant. There is no higher service on this planet but that. Once we learn to love ourselves and we've gone through all of those things, the gift I always say to people that we get as a result of all of that is to serve. And it's a wonderful gift because like Carrie's trying to tell you guys, it is days of miracles all over the place, and you're just sometimes they come so fast and frequent that you you're like whoa whoa whoa. You sit down and go wow that was a really interesting day. What just happened? And even we have to sit down and decipher what just happened because we kind of are it, but 
it's really a fun place and we just uh, encourage you guys to get here really quick. So here you are, Carrie, you're delivering, giving birth to all these wonderful books and so forth and you dealt with all of these different modalities and reaching to the human spirit. Invite us into one of those conversations that you're having with someone that you're there and uh, they have been circular, if you will. They haven't made that decision yet that, no, I want more out of life than this. When you're having those conversations, invite us into one of those when they are beginning to, as you said earlier, the light begins to come in and they begin to respond and you are getting to enjoy one of the most precious voyeurism act that is in, that is available to the human spirit on this planet. Talk to us, invite us to one of those beautiful um, transformation, if you will. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I have one student in particular who's um, has struggled with uh, receiving, you know, receiving prosperity and has struggled with feeling victimized by life, you know, like a, a victimization. And to step into empowerment has been a big journey, you know, and there's been a lot of self-judgment and, and tearing oneself down with mistakes and all of this for years now. And recently, <laughs> kind of hit a, an apex, you know, it, it hit a little crescendo. And in that moment, I said, oh, I understand. This is too much for you. I understand. And I just accepted it. And in that moment, she came back and she said, no, I was being victim again. I see this. Oh my gosh, I see this now. And it's like the light bulb finally went off and she accepted some help, which is getting her a full-time job, that she'll have some money coming in the door. And the look on her face now is like the sun just rose. It's like, ah, I see what I was doing. Oh, now I can open the door to so much more prosperity. Oh, wow, the world is helping me. Oh, I, I'm, I'm constantly being supported and helped. I don't have to keep struggling. Oh, my goodness. It's like she's finally reached this oasis where she can say yes. And, and, and this is, this is, this has been years in the making, you know, because some of these patterns are sticky, as you know, and it takes a little few times around the wheel to, when I say the wheel, I mean the medicine wheel, it takes a few times around the directions of south, the west, and north, and east to, yeah. to get it. And she finally is there. And it's like, it's such a relief because once you know you really get it like that, you're not going back there. You're done with that part. It's like, no, I'm in freedom now. Yeah, I'm in freedom and I'm 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 my own creator in my own life and that's the part she's at now and it's very exciting to see what she's gonna create. So yeah, I feel like whew, you know, like that's awesome. You know, I I celebrate it. Yeah, and I cherish those moments because, you know, there's other moments where the person kind of backs away from the, the challenge, right? Like retreats from the challenge. And there's nothing you can do as a mentor to really bring somebody to face a challenge inside themselves that they don't want to face. And sometimes, you know, as a mentor that, that hurts when they, 
back away from the challenge. It's like, I, I see them. They're like only, they're like this close. It's like right here. It's right here. And I keep telling them you're right here. You're right here. You're almost there. But it's then they back away sometimes. So as a mentor, we get to guide and we get to accept everything that happens and total acceptance, total embracing. And, and this is part of the journey, you know, and is a sacred journey. So even the backing away is a, a part of the sacred dance. Even that is like a, it's a message with the divine. It, it's all beautiful. So I, I embrace all of it. I mean, I love the successes where they get forward into freedom. And also I, I, I honor this retreating too, because this also is, is part of that sacredness of the union, you know, with the divine. It's all beautiful. Yeah, it's the perfect, um, all of it is that beautiful symphony of sound and music and life and energy. Um, it is life. It is. And so I love the fact that it is. And uh, you have to come to the space of this young woman where she retreated, but then she realized, wait a minute, and that light came in. And uh, the other thought is sometimes they are not there yet. I was there. I came to that place three times when we did. And then, uh, but, you know, the plan is already set for us. It, it, yeah. You know, it's just a matter of getting there. And, and sometimes it'll take a couple of years and then they, they'll call you back in and say, uh, I, after such and such, we were, I was doing this and all that you talked about made sense. And you're looking at them going, wow. So yeah. it all plays in the dance. So anyone that is listening to this beautiful conversation with Terry, she mentioned many of her books. I want you guys, I'm going to provide all of those stuff to you guys, the website. I want you to buy these books, to give it to your friends. Give it to those uh, folks that are having a challenging relationship issue with mom or with a friend or with a daughter. Give it to family so that you can mend this relationship. This one of the very first things that Carrie mentioned when we uh, started this journey was that relationships do not give up on them. If you want to make it happen, you can. And he wrote about all of that. You can extract from that, the pages that are there, the truth and insights that you need in order to get it. For those that want to get to her, chat with her, I'm going to provide all of that. Get into her space. Learn from her. Come energize by talking and engaging with her so that you can change your world, change your perspective and move from one energy level to another. Carrie, I want to thank you so much for coming to Friends of Enlightenment. This has been a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Well, thank you so much, Ken. I've really enjoyed our, our synergy and our conversation, and I truly desire from the bottom of my heart that this touches the lives of many people and brings unity and harmony. I know.